Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning. It's great to see you guys this morning. If you're joining us online, we're grateful today. We're kicking off a brand new series uh, called uh, God's Passion, Our Purpose. Over these next three weeks, uh, we're gonna be talking about things that I believe the Bible makes crystal clear. These three different groups of people, people that all of us, I believe, at one moment or another in our lives have, have been in one of these groups uh, that are very, very close to God's heart. And as God captures more and more of our heart, that our hearts align more with his. And so over these next three weeks, uh, we're gonna be talking about what I call the little, the least, and the lost. And so today as we talk about the little, we're talking about God's heart for kids, and I thought we'd kind of warm up by looking at some cute pictures of babies. Let's take a look at some. That's a pretty good looking baby. Even better looking. I think hats make babies look more awesome. I love that. That's an incredible looking baby. Hard to beat that. Um, but here's, here's what I want you to think about this, this morning. It, is, as you look at history, um, what we see is the teachings of Jesus and the influence of the early church for its first 400 years or so radically transformed how we look at children. And the fact that we look at these cute little babies and are immediately drawn to their cuteness and see them as precious, that is not the way, the, the way it always was, but that it was actually the influence of the teachings of Jesus and the influence of the early church that, that, that really transformed how society sees children. I, I was reading this article, it was called How Christianity, quote, Invented Children. It said this, today is simply taken for granted that the innocence and vulnerability of children makes them beings of particular value and entitled to particular care. We also romanticize children, their beauty, their joy, their liveliness. Our culture encourages us to let ourselves fall prey to our gooey feelings whenever we look at baby pictures. What could be more natural? But in fact, this view of children is a historical oddity. If you disagree, just, just go back to how children were talked about in the prevailing way in Europe's ancient pagan world. There was this historian, O.M. Bakke. He wrote this book called When Children Became People. And he talked about how in, in ancient Greece and Rome, children were actually considered non-persons. And, and he talks about how back then the, the, uh, the entire social worldview was undergirded by a universally held implicit view. Society was organized in these concentric circles with the circle at the center containing the highest value people and the people in the outside circles having little to no value. At the center was the freeborn adult male and other persons were, were valued depending on how similar they were to the freeborn adult male. So such was the, was the lot of foreigners and slaves and women and Children, And so the, the way in which people approached children were, was, was, was radically different. In fact, various pagan authors describe children as being more like plants than human beings. 
Well-to-do parents typically just had their slaves raise their children, oftentimes with, with great harshness, including uh, harsh beatings as a normal part of education. In Rome, a child's father had the right to kill him for whatever reason until he came of age. 98% of that seems like a bad idea. The 2% is it's, if the kid has that mild fear, maybe, I don't know, maybe it does better. Maybe they, maybe they talk back less, I don't know. Um, what, one of the most notorious ancient practices that Christianity rebelled against was this frequent practice of, of, of the Latin expotio, this idea of exposure, basically being that if a, a child was born and it was disabled in any way, or female, when they were wanting a male, they would just take this child out to the hills and just leave it to, to die of exposure or by attack of animals or starvation. There was incredible sexual exploitation of children, and, and so what we see through history is that it was the teachings of Jesus through the church that Christianity in, the first, in its first four centuries began to radically transform the entire understanding of children as precious image bearers of God to be cherished, nurtured, and protected. It's this big idea that kids matter to God that began to radically transform just how we view children. And so I wanna share with you a few things about that today. Here's the first thing. Kids are an incredibly high priority to God. If you have your Bibles, go over to Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. Mark 10, 13 says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. That's, this, that's where we get our whole idea of doing like the dedication of children, infant child dedication. We have one of those coming up in, in two weeks from today. If you're a parent of a young child, we have a class for you that's offered next Sunday. You'll hear more about that later. But, but see, we get this idea as for what Jesus is doing here, taking these children, and, and, and it says, that, and the disciples rebuked them. Whenever you're reading the Gospels or the book of Acts, I wanna encourage you just to circle or highlight every time the disciples look silly or foolish. And, and, and what you'll do is you'll, you'll find themselves, you'll, you'll find yourself marking up your, your Bible a lot. And let it encourage you in two ways. One, let it encourage you that, that those moments where we are silly or foolish, but also let it encourage you as to the historicity of the gospel accounts and the book of Acts, that, that if you are making this up, if you are, are an early church leader making this up, the last thing you wanna do is make those early church leaders regularly look silly the way they do. And so these uh, these people are bringing their kids uh, to be blessed, and it says, and the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. This, the, the way that is written, this it says that people were bringing these children. It's in this imperfect, ongoing tense. The idea is that these people kept on bringing their children to Jesus. This is going on for some lengthy period of time. The disciples get sick of this and they begin to tell people to take their kids away. And it says, when Jesus saw that the disciples were rebuking these people, he was indignant, he was angry. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. See, the disciples made this mistake that we often make. 
They thought that they and Jesus had something better to do than to be with kids. And they thought that they and Jesus were too busy to be with kids. I like how the message translation says these verses. It says, the people brought children to Jesus, hoping he might touch them. The disciples shooed them off, but Jesus was irate and let them know. And it's the only occasion in all the gospels where we see Jesus angry at all the disciples at once. It's in this moment. He was, he was irate and he let them know it. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. It's the only time that it says Jesus was angry with the group of disciples. And so we see this message that kids matter to God in this incredible way. And so if you, if you wanna make God mad, then act like kids don't matter. If you wanna offend God, act like kids coming to Jesus doesn't matter. If you wanna upset God, come between him and children. Jesus is saying kids matter to God. Here's the second thing we see from these verses. We see this idea that childhood presents a unique spiritual opportunity. He says this idea, he says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, that there's, there's this opportunity within the lives of children of this openness to the things of God. And, he, and we see this, this whole idea of, of, of this unique spiritual opportunity that childhood presents for kids to come into relationship with Jesus. I've asked Lauren Meyer, who leads our elementary ministry, to join me on stage. Let's give it up for Lauren as she comes on up. If you've been around Life Church for a while, you probably know this. If you're newer, you probably don't. Uh, Lauren is Claire and I's oldest daughter, and, and we hired her for this role in spite of that fact. And so, uh, um, so, so Lauren, you've been leading our elementary ministry. That's our kindergartners through fifth graders for like two years now. On average, how many elementary age kids are over there each Sunday, and how many preschool kids are over in the Kids Life building each Sunday? We've got about 150 elementary kids and about another 150 preschool kids each Sunday. So about 300 kids. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, about 300 kids between the three services over in the Kids Life building. And so you've been leading this ministry for two years. Uh, the prior year, you spent teaching at a school for inner city kids in, in uh, the Tenderloin District of San Fran, a little Christian school for needy children. And then prior to that, Three years you spent working as a part of a children's ministry, large church in LA while you're in college. What, what motivates you to invest your life doing this? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that I had the blessing of giving my life to Christ as a young child and just seeing how much hope and purpose and really protection over my life that that gave me is huge. And when I think about my own salvation and discipleship, I really see it as a culmination of a lot of small moments, of course, in our family, but also in our church of people just like you guys showing up on a lot of ordinary Sundays and giving me a great place to learn to love God and to learn to love his family, the church. And so I always want Life Church to be a place where we can empower families to do that and also create a place for kids to experience God because I believe kids aren't just the future of the church. Of course they are, but they're also an important part of the church right now. That's awesome. And so, so Jesus seems to be saying in these verses that there's something special about childhood in terms of this spiritual opportunity of what God wants to do in kids. What do you, what do you think that's about? How have you, how have you seen that? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. I think the first thing is developmentally, childhood is the time where we're all learning how we can relate to 
family, how you can relate to the world, and of course, how you can relate to God. So it's a really foundational time to establish kids' view of God, to establish a, a trust in God for them that can carry them through all the different changes of their life. And so it's, of course, a really foundational moment. I think the other big thing is that kids have such a natural reliance. They rely on people for everything in their life, you know? They rely a kid on wants others. something, kid needs something, they're going to tell you. Yes, and so they've got that natural reliance on God, and I think God loves to move through people who are dependent on him. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 8-2, which is, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. And so just the power of kids and, and their reliance on God and the power of their worship, I know it's a special thing to worship alongside kids in our kids' ministry each Sunday and really seeing the power and the, the beauty of their reliance on God. That's all, yeah, I think, I, when I think about kids, I think like this, this dependence thing, this humility that they, and this authenticity that, or this honesty. The other day, uh, Michael, our little five-year-old, he climbs up in the, where the car's parked, he climbs up in the front seat, he, he looks at me and he says, Dad, uh, your teeth are yellow. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, kids will just tell you how it is. They've yes. not learned, hey, there's things you don't say, there's this honesty we see in kids. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely resonate with that too. We just had our first child, and so last year when I was pregnant, I had several kids tell me that I was getting fatter. I specifically had one kid come up to me, a little first grader one Sunday, and she kind of looks me up and down and says, Miss Lauren, did you eat some bad food? <laughs> and I was like, oh no, yeah, I'm pregnant. And then she looks me up and down and says, are you even married? And I am. I'm married, but kids, kids so she, keep you honest. She shamed you in multiple ways <laughs> in, in multiple, one moment. Multiple ways in one moment. So, yeah, kids keep you honest. And I think that's, you know, there's so much we can learn from kids in that too, of course. Next time you think something about someone's body, just say it. And uh, that is the... Uh, I don't know. I don't uh, know if that's the take home, but. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's this dependency, this humility, this authenticity, this, this recognition of need, and, and not pretense. There's not the pretense that can kind of. Yeah, definitely. Like kids haven't learned that pretense about faith yet either. So being able to work with them is such a blessing. You see, you learn so much from the questions that they're able to ask about God and how much they're willing to admit the things that they don't understand. And I think that's something that we can learn from them. And then I think the other side of that too is being able to serve with them and experience the blessing of their experiences of God and the Holy Spirit. I know just a few weeks ago, we had a bunch of kids get baptized, which is awesome. And I had one of the kids who had just gotten baptized came upstairs and she still kind of had tears in her eyes. And she looked at me and she said, I just couldn't stop crying because I could feel that God was watching me get baptized. That's so cool. And that was just such a blessing to be a part of that moment with her and to be experience the Holy Spirit alongside her. You know that kids aren't hyping it up. Kids aren't making something up to tell you. And so when you get to be there with them in their experience of God, it's such a blessing and an experience of the Holy Spirit for yourself as well. Yeah, I do think there's this, this spiritual opportunity of what God wants to do in kids, but I think there is also this spiritual opportunity when we work with kids, because Jesus says, unless, someone, unless you become like a little child, well, what better way to, to, to learn how to become like a little child than to kind of be a part of kids' faith journey? I think that's incredible. So um, tell us about some serving opportunities in our children's ministry. Yeah, so there's definitely a huge need, a huge opportunity to serve with us in kids' ministry. 
Kind of how that looks is all of our volunteers across preschool and elementary ministry commit to serving about twice a month for just one service. And what that looks like, we have got a great curriculum that gives you an awesome foundation to be able to teach them. We've got Bible story videos, and then across our classrooms, you can lead several different activities that kind of reinforce that lesson and just create a place for them to experience the community of the church. And so, and so right now, about how many people serve in the elementary ministry right now? We've got about 95 people serving in the elementary ministry, and I know that sounds like a lot, but guys, um, God has given us such an incredible opportunity to impact the next generation, and we've got new families that are here every single week, so there's still an incredible need and an incredible opportunity to be able to serve with us. Yeah, and yeah, both on, yeah, because there's, there's 300 kids over there every week. We wanna make sure every child gets the attention they need to spread across these three services. So people typically work a service and attend a service. And, uh, yeah. and we're, we're so, I know you're grateful. I'm incredibly grateful for all of the incredible uh, people that already serve in our children's ministry. Yeah. If people want to learn more, how can they learn more about uh, uh, the opportunities available? Yeah, so I will be at a table out on the patio. I'd love to talk to you more if you're interested. The first step is to kind of come and observe a service. So if you write your name down on the clipboard, you are not signing your life away or anything like that. You're just saying that you're interested to check it out. And even if you come and you serve, it's not like you're signing a 10-year contract or anything like that. So we want you to also feel good about where you're serving. And we've also got opportunities for people of all different ages up there. We've got middle schoolers who serve, and then we've got people who are like in their late 80s who are serving up there with us. So kids ministry can be for everyone and I believe God can use all of us and our giftings to make a difference with them. It's awesome, let's give it up for Lauren. There was a great evangelist named D.L. Moody who was the Billy Graham of his day and, and here's what he said. He said, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. There's this spiritual opportunity. Missiologists, uh, the people who study God's work and reaching uh, people with the gospel across the world, missiologists tend to talk about what's called the 1040 window, and, and, it, and it represents uh, this area of the world that is between 10 degrees and 40 degrees north of the equator, basically North Africa and most of Asia. And, and that area represents the, the parts of the world that have the highest level of socioeconomic challenges and the least access to the Christian message and, and Christian resources on the planet. It's like this area where most missions dollars around the world are dedicated to how can we make a difference in this part of the world. But, but something in the, in, the, in the last few decades that's begun to be discussed in addition to this 1040 window, it's what's called the 414 window. It's, it's this recognition that 80% of the people that ever give their lives to Christ do so before the age of 14, between four and 14 years old. It's this, and, and Jesus talks about this unique spiritual opportunity. How did Jesus and teaching through the church change the way we, we see kids, that we see kids as this incredible high priority. We see this incredible spiritual opportunity. We also have this recognition that children often experience the greatest vulnerability. Why, why do we wanna go all in for kids? It's because they're close to God's heart. It's because there, there's, there's this opportunity, but there's also this vulnerability. Matthew 18, one says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Another moment the disciples looked silly. He, he called a little child to him, 
place a child among them. He said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of, of heaven. Therefore, who, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. But then look at this warning. If anyone causes one of these least, one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, this is recognition of this vulnerability. Jesus and, and kind of talking about vulnerable people in general, he talks about it, the vulnerability through this lens of this little child he's holding. There's this vulnerability of childhood. And so Jesus says, anybody who hurts a kid, it would be better for them to have a large millstone. Imagine a big giant but you know, big giant concrete pylon that's larger than you can imagine to be, to be tied around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. It's this incredible uh, recognition of just the vulnerability of childhood. And, and we see this in many ways. Vulnerability of the family hurts. This, uh, the previous passage we read in Mark where Jesus is talking about the preciousness of, and vulnerability of children, it's, it's in the context right before that Jesus is talking about marriage and, and divorce. So many times kids are vulnerable because of family hurts. Many times kids are vulnerable just to the, to the scars of neglect and abuse. I think there's, there's so much vulnerability just in the world we live in and just the messages constantly coming at our kids, whether it's through media social media, and other places. But I think one of the greatest areas of vulnerability is this spiritual vulnerability where it's kids are forming their view of who God is and, 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 the, and their greatest pictures of who God is are gonna come from their parents and it's gonna come from their church experience. And, uh, and they're either going to begin to have a, a picture, a God image of, of a God who, who is close and cares about them or a picture of a God who is far away and disinterested or a God who cares so much or a God who doesn't care. Maybe they, they develop that image through, a, through the feeling of a church that does not care. Are they gonna have, have an image of a God who loves them or a God who does not love them and is just angry and distant? And, and so much of it is gonna be the, the view they get from parents and the view they get from from their church experience. And when I was a kid, I hated going to church. Started wearing a suit to church when I was four years old, clip-on tie, this super tight neck on my big old fat neck on that, uh, and, and it's this clip-on tie choking me every week with my fat neck. Or last week, bus service people laughed about my fat neck. The silence actually feels worse. And so, uh, I, uh, but I hated church. It was my least favorite hour of the week. And so when we started Life Church, we said, we're gonna, if we do one thing, we're gonna go all in on, on having uh, this be the best hour of the week for kids. We believe that church should be the best hour of the week for kids because it's how they begin to form their image of God, a God who loves them and cares about them and brings life for them. And, and, and here's the thing, it's so much easier to, to love a kid well and point him or her in the, uh, on the right direction than to try and repair damage to a kid 40 years later. There, there's this vulnerability and this opportunity in childhood. Here's the last thing and we're done. The way we treat children, children will bring a high accountability. We see in Mark chapter nine, verse 33, they came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? And, and, but they kept quiet because okay, on the way they'd argued about who was the greatest. Jesus knew exactly what they were arguing about. They were arguing about the thing that they were always arguing about, which is who's the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be the first must be the very last and the servant of all. He says, you wanna be great, become a servant. And then I wanna show you this next thing Jesus says. 
He took a child when he placed among them, taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. So what Jesus says, if you wanna be great, be a servant. And then what does Jesus say? It, 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 there seemed to be placing a special priority on service to children. He says, you wanna be great, be a servant. By the way, who, whoever welcomes one of these little children, they're welcoming me. But then he says this, and he says, whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, whoever, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And so there's this idea that when we welcome children, we're welcoming God himself. There's this accountability. Jesus seems to be giving this special priority to, to, of service to children. This word welcome could also be translated receive or be hospitable to. It's this idea of a stranger passing through an area in a time where there weren't hotels and restaurants like we know of, and you welcome them in, you meet their needs, you take care of them, and, and show them care. It's this idea of whoever welcomes, cares for, meets the needs of a child. It's like they're doing it unto myself. It's like they're doing it to God the Father himself. It's Jesus is saying this. That, that, that children are so close to his heart, so important to him. That's this whole idea of this message, that there are these, these groups of people that, that are so precious to God's heart. All of us at some point in our lives fall into these groups at different moments, and, and that, that people, that, that these are so precious to God's heart, as our heart aligns with his, they become, they become precious to ours. And Jesus is saying that kids are so near to his heart so important to his work in the world that when we make room in our hearts for children, we're making room for him. We're actually inviting his activity in our lives. It's, it's true on, on this personal level. It's that, that when we, when we show God's love to kids, we're, we're inviting God's activity in our lives. It's also true for churches. There's a guy named George Barna who dedicated his whole life to researching churches. And, and, and after decades and decades of, of research and what made churches more effective and less effective, he, he came to this realization that the churches that were the healthiest and the most effective were the churches that placed the greatest emphasis on excellent ministry for children. And, and, but I, I think you could look at that in a very tangible sense, and I think there's a sense in which that just makes sense and is true, but I think it goes even beyond that, that churches that say, we're gonna go all in to love children well and raise them up to love and follow Jesus. Well, I believe, based on what Jesus is teaching here, that what we're doing is we're, we're inviting greater measures of God's activity in our lives and in our church. It's this, it's this big thing. Wes Stafford, who's really the one who really built Compassion International into the, the global children's impact ministry that it is, he said this, when we embrace a child, we are embracing Jesus. Something that we say around here, whoever wins the kids wins. We believe that, that that's what's at stake. See, if I were to ask you a question, who made the bigger impact with their life? Billy Graham, if you're over 30 years old, you know who Billy Graham is. If you're under 30, you might not. Billy Graham uh, died, I don't know, a decade ago and was, was credited as, as maybe making the greatest impact uh, for the cause of Christ of any person since the Apostle Paul. If I were to ask you who made the greater impact with their life, Billy Graham or Edward Kimball, most of us would say Billy Graham because we never heard of Edward Kimball. 
Edward Kimball was a children's Sunday school teacher. And one of his students that he introduced to Jesus was a boy named Dwight L. Moody, who went on to become what we would say the, the most influential preacher of his time, the Billy Graham of, of his day. He went on to, to have this giant impact. And one of Moody's converts was a man named Wilbur Chapman, who also would go on to become a preacher. Chapman would go on to mentor a former baseball player named Billy Sunday, who would become the most influential preacher of his generation. At one of those meetings where Billy Sunday was preaching, a man named Mordecai Ham turned his life over to Christ. Mordecai Ham also became a great evangelist, and it was during one of his meetings in Charlotte, North Carolina, that a young man named Billy Graham committed his life to Christ. See, it's estimated that Billy Graham preached in 185 different countries. It's estimated that 215 million people saw Billy Graham preach live. It's estimated that 2.2 million people made a decision to follow Christ live at a Billy Graham meeting. It's estimated that Billy Graham, once you include radio, television, and the internet, has preached to over 2.2 billion, with a B, people. But I ask you again the question, who made the bigger impact, Billy Graham or Edward Kimball? My money's on Edward Kimball. Because without Edward Kimball, reaching someone who reached someone who reached someone who reached Billy Graham, there is no Billy Graham. Never underestimate. Some of you have faithfully served in our preschool ministry, our elementary ministry, our junior high, high school ministry for, for years. Some of you over a decade. And never underestimate the impact that you're making when you influence a child with the gospel. You are sowing seed. Sometimes you'll get to see that harvest. Sometimes you won't see that harvest in, in this life, but you'll see it in the next. And, and what we see, the greater impact wasn't Billy Graham who counseled president after president after president. It was a Sunday school teacher who just invested in one kid's life, who went on to make a difference that continues to make an incredible difference today. And so that's why at Life Church we say, whoever wins the kids wins. And if we're gonna do one thing well here, we're gonna go all in to make the biggest difference we can make for kids. Let me pray for you. So Father, I pray that you by your Holy Spirit, Lord, would, would align our hearts more and more and more with the things that, that, that you are passionate about and that you'd give us your heart for kids. And Lord, that Life Church would be a place where we would see thousands and thousands of children grow up in this church as preschoolers and elementary age kids and junior high kids and high school kids and that they would grow up to know you and to grow up in you and, and, and to go out and make a massive difference in the world. And so God, I pray you'd give us your heart for kids. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.